Just a quick note that in this episode we will be referencing a book called Tinker, Building Purposeful Experiences from Classic Adventure Activities that was authored by the High Five staff and you can find that on our website. Talking in this episode is Chris Danboys, Rich Keegan, Lisa Hunt and myself Phil Brown. Also, apologies for the rattling sound you'll hear in this audio. It was due to us trying to move the mic around from person to person. Evidently, that does not work for good audio. Enjoy. Okay. So, uh, when we wrote the book Tinker, we had a section at the back that originally, when we first wrote it, was um, about the, the core theories of facilitation. A good decision on our end was actually to cut that section out and make it more personable to us because there are tons of books out there that have that information. So what we ended up doing was we uh, put all of our authors' names on a sheet of paper, lay them in the hallway, and we wrote questions for each other that we thought would be interesting to hear, stuff that we were really interested in. I'm just going to ask some members of the High Five team. We've got the trainers here in the room today, so I'm going to ask those questions or a couple of those questions, and we'll just uh, see how people answer them. I think they'll be valuable for the listeners. What makes you nervous with regards to facilitation? Yeah, I remember I remember us writing that question and I don't think any of us said, well, nothing. Like I've been doing this long enough that nothing makes me nervous anymore, right? Uh, I mean, certainly for me, how, how I answer that now has changed. In my early career, it was like, am I competent enough? Do I know the content? Are they going to like me? And I mean, I think every human goes through that to some degree before you have like that sort of performance. But now it's really about, am I, am I going to provide them with the quality experience that they really need? Like, especially, and for me, there's a total ratio that I can count on the shorter the program, the more sort of amped my energy is in terms of that, like, Right, because everything has so much more weight, you know, mm-hmm. in a three-hour program, if, if the, so you make the wrong call or you make a comment that you're like, ooh, that was not helpful to the group, that recovery time is, is much quicker or needs to be quicker. Um, but I, I don't know. I'm glad to know that, that it's, uh, it's not something you grow out of. I think if I arrived here one day to meet a group, no matter what the group is, and I didn't feel that sense of like, all right, it's go time, that wouldn't serve me because I feel like that energy now is productive. It's not debilitating um, as it has been at certain points. Like, oh gosh, I can't do this. And So this is an interesting question because my mind immediately went to <laughs> those sort of obvious things like, do I have spinach in my teeth? Yeah. Is my fly undone? <laughs> Did I, did I, did I take my hat off and now my hair is like six ways to Sunday on my head and everybody's wondering who is this guy and what value is he going to provide us today? So, so that's where my brain initially goes. And then I, I, you know, those are things you can take care of in the moment before you go sort of on stage or with the group. But, you know, relating a little bit to what Lisa said earlier, this notion of, am I reading the group right and figuring out what they need? Meaning sometimes we're in front of um, groups who um, need sort of support, if you will, around they're not quite sure why they're there even yet. And then other groups, we have very clear 
sort of goals and objectives. I need to teach you to belay or I need to teach you how to run your zip wire. And then in those areas where expertise and content knowledge, that that's so much easier for me where I'm trying to read a group and figure out like this activity in this framing in order to get to this particular outcome, whether that's um, bringing out uh, leaders' voices or helping the group understand how their perspective is unique but needs to contribute to the whole. Whatever those, whatever those things are, that trying to figure those pieces out are much harder, and I think I still get anxious around that. Um, so I, you know, for me, I think you know, people often think of us as trainers, but we're also program facilitators. And the mm-hmm. program facilitation side is a much more anxiety-producing component for me personally than the training component mm-hmm. side because the content is way more amorphous or can feel that way, even though we might have some clear outcomes from the client's goals coming into that day, you just still have to read the group and work on the fly. Yeah, for me, Chris, it's definitely the fly open. I mean, it's, uh, <clears throat> that, that, that's a, it hasn't been a continuing problem, but it, it was a problem once. So. <laughs> but I, I would agree with you, and then my, I'm always very nervous beforehand, um, and I think that's Again, partly because of performance factor, and I think it has for me. It has to do with uh, reading the group and meeting their needs as well. That's and I, and I, that makes me nervous, but it also it's the part of the challenge that I really enjoy because things change on can change in a moment's notice, and being able to be able to be flexible enough and have a sense of humor and just kind of go with the flow of what they need, I think is a can be a real challenge. But that that's probably the biggest one for me as well. I, I will sort of riff off that a little bit, the, the sense of humor part. Uh, I always find humor challenging in a group to manage, and like that sort of comes out also in that reading of the group, because I can be fairly sarcastic in my humor, and obviously that has its place, but mm-hmm. often not in facilitated yeah. groups, and trying to not allow myself to go there, nor uh, help support a group to not go there, but still have humor within that. Um, I find also one of those anxiety levels that I have to manage. And I, I, yeah, whatever reason, I'm not natural at knowing where to go with that. So I have to think about it a lot. I did Power of Play yesterday, and that, stre- that was very nerve-wracking. The thing that I, I mentioned to Rich, Rich was there, that, and I actually mentioned to the group as well, I was like pretty honest about it in the group, that there's... And I wrote it in the, in the book that there's this golden first activity thing for me, that once I've done an activity I know works well, then all of the nerves go away. Like it's instantly, then I'm on. Like it's like a switch in my brain that suddenly of being aware of that. But I get nervous of how they'll react to the games or activities that I run, the content. I have, I have a bit of imposter syndrome in terms of not thinking that anyone would want to hear what I have to say. So it's like an internal combativeness. I think when I started at High Five, I felt like I had something to prove because I was new, not only new for a new employee, but also new as I was relatively new to the field. I hadn't had a great amount of experience and jumping into a trainer position suddenly was like, wow, I'm going to be teaching a Beyond Basics and most of the people, if not all of the people in that group, are going to be older than me and possibly have been doing challenge course programming for longer than me. And now I'm a trainer coming in and teaching them how to do advanced skills. 
And so it's always been like in my brain, I, I'm still working on that piece to try to get myself away from feeling like I have value to add to a group in, in terms of that. But once I start, then I'm great. And Adventure Basics, the worst day of an Adventure Basics for me as a trainer is day one morning. That's the thing that I will procrastinate about more than anything else. And for some reason, as soon as I go, then I'm out there with a group doing some Ubuntu or I'm doing a high five mingle, then I'm fine. And I just, for, I, trying to talk yourself into that is so, so ridiculous. I know it works and I know I'm good, but um, trying to internalize or get past that is can be challenging. And I've never not had that, unfortunately. That's the part I wrote in the book as well, that there it's not comforting. It's comforting and not comforting at the same time to know that you're not alone if you get nervous because we are all getting nervous but it's the discomfort is that it's not going to go away i'm not going to grow out of it you know it's not some a phase it's something i'm still still going through and i've worked hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of groups and hundreds of hours um interesting fact that i just got on doing my challenge course portfolio i just at the end of 2018 had done 2018 training hours but after 2018 training hours I do a day like yesterday and I'm nervous again. So it's like, wow, that really worked in terms of that favor. But what it does give me is that now I feel like I'm comfortable in the program. I just need to get past the initial hurdle. A function of hours and years in the field means like a diminishing return on the nerves. But maybe it's like you sort of get peak and then you get less. And then as you realize like, oh, there's more competencies that I'm uncovering it's like, oh, there's this to consider, this to consider. I, I didn't know that when I was new, but now I'm thinking about all that stuff. So maybe yeah. it's like, I'm do- drawing a diagram in the air, but yeah. like a curve like, or like... Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with you, Lisa. I think when I was first doing trainings for Project Adventure, there were things that I did not know about facilitation. And I felt really confident with the content, yes. but the process, I probably botched a lot like people were like he really knows his stuff but boy this feels weird the way he's going about it or this or the group process feels weird i'm sure those were comments if i look back at old evals probably had nothing to do with content and everything to do with process and the way i was and now i'm more aware which amps the anxiety up because now i have to be competent not only in the content but in the process also i had a like i had a training that and I mentioned in my interview, of, um, or maybe I mentioned it in Lisa's, but it doesn't matter. But I uh, talked about Hyde School being a program that I did really well. Unfortunately for me, that set the bar high. Yeah. I wish I'd have not had a good program. Like that's, it's, it's like a double-edged sword. Like I had an awesome program, but how am I going to ever have a program that good? And then it just, I think of like, because I know more, I would hate to, and I think that like, we would all agree, we'd hate to probably be able to look back and watch ourselves run an open enrollment and yes. adventure basics or when or, um, when you were doing that project adventure, look back at you teaching that content for the first time. I guarantee we would hate it. In the same way that I know maybe a year from now, I'll look at podcast edits and hate the what quality of what I'd done before. But at the time... I don't think that maybe you would have got bad reviews. Like, I think that in my first AB was probably everyone really enjoyed it. If you look back at my evals, I'm probably good. But if I look back at it now compared to what I'm doing now, I would hate it. <laughs> like, in terms of time management and lots of components that I don't think I would find as a particularly good training. Because the priorities change. Like, when I was n- new, like what you said, 
uh, Chris, like I, I wanted to, you know, and, and you said Phil too, like I wanted to like make sure that my expertise was right. Not that I had to like look the expert, although that's important too, but like that I was teaching the right stuff. And now it's really shifted. Like my priority is not to come across as an expert, but to like fit in with the group. Mm-hmm. And I was at a working with a corporate client last month and, and we were doing like a meeting the night before and I walked into the room and the first thing I looked at was everybody's footwear and like how my shoes were so different. And I, and it's like the, going back to high school. Yeah. <laughs> and it, 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 and I don't, I'm okay with being different, but like I know for me and, and a lot of um, facilitation pieces, I'm going to get the most impact if I start being similar and like let me be part of your culture before I ask you to like change your level of really high level of anxiety is being in front of people and public speaking is in that I think that's number two I can't remember number one is so it's you're always kind of hoping you're on and that's I try and be kind to myself because I have a pretty negative internal motor about any mistake I make it's like I'm all over myself internally and I try not to show that externally but I do have to kind of remind myself that it is sometimes it is like a performance and some days I'm on whether it be like being an athlete and some days you're not going to have your a game and just to be okay with that provided you're providing the content that they need and that you're at least meeting part of the group's needs as best you can what would how would you define for you that your game is on oftentimes i try and really read the group it's their body language it's their facial expressions um i think that's what i look at the most it's if i know i'm on we're making that connection i think yesterday at um at the power play there was a real connection phil you were on your a game and i even being part of participant i do try and read the group facial expressions and body language and if they're leaning forward if they're engaged and if they're smiling or the, even if they're not smiling they look thoughtful then i kind of got a good feel about how i'm doing or how a facilitator is doing sometimes that's not always accurate i feel relaxed more playful i can like you said lean into the group more than they're leaning into me i think my body knows when it's sort of leaning forward and and relaxed in that environment because if i'm still thinking about like the content i'm delivering or the process by which we're working together and i'm too in my head around that then my body's stiff i'm not relaxed i'm not moving about I'm sort of more rigid. And the minute my body, that's when I know, like, okay, my body's involved in all of this, then I'm fine. I guess I would add that, like, there are these, like, little, like, markers you can see in the group that make you go, oh, okay, this is working, right? And they're actually not that little. They're pretty obvious, like some of the things you've both just said. For me, some of those specific things are, like, whether it's a, you know, train-the-trainer environment or I'm doing some team development, it's when the group looks at each other for conversation versus asking me all the questions or telling me all, like if you ask a reflection question and everybody's like answering the facilitator to me, that's like, okay, I'm not giving, like I'm holding too much power. You know what I mean? And there's that feeling of like, how do I step? Sometimes you literally, I literally want to be like, just can I step away from the group? So those are some of like, I, I'm sure we could tease out more examples yeah. like that. And I think the other thing that came up in a training at a high school the other day is like 
sometimes it's just a big mystery, you know, like all those things, like I feel physically, like am I, sometimes it's like, oh, I have a stain on my jacket. This is not a, this is not a good day. But, but there's also like, I have come to accept after a few years at this stuff that I just don't know. Like somebody was saying to me, like, oh gosh, you know, if after all this time of like climbing up this telephone pole, you think it would get easier. And I say, yeah, you know, again, maybe it's, maybe it's not a straight line. Like no. some days I'll walk into a group feeling super competent. I'm on and like everything is great. I can have the exact same plan, the exact same ritual. And then all of a sudden be like, wow, my heart is like pounding out of my chest. It's just, a, it's a mystery, you know? I, I think there, there is a specific moment for, we, for me when I know I'm going to maybe have a good day. Like based on like, so, there's the stuff in the back. Like, but for me, it's, I have... Um, and this is telling for any groups that I work with in the future. But I will, if I do um, wild turkey handshake, if I do a high five mingle at the start, I have a specific joke that I will add. And if it gets a laugh, I feel like I'm going to have a good day. <laughs> and no one laughs or one person laughs, it's not going to work. And all it is is saying that I think turkeys are curious by nature. I'm not sure if that's true. I just say that every time. If that one sentence gets a giggle or a murmur out of anyone, it doesn't matter. For some reason, that I've got like certain things. There are like even right. I've done this in the last five groups. Once again, script. You know, it's very telling. But if I do jump in, jump out, I'll first round. I go jump in, jump out, jump in, jump out, and then I'll say shake it all about. If the group shakes itself about, even though it's not part of the activity, then I'm winning. I have like, as far as I'm concerned, I'm doing it. Is this yeah. yesterday, oh, Power absolutely. of Play? Every single one of them danced. So, and I just went, wow, that's it. I'm, you know, that's all, that, for some yeah. reason, I think there's a confidence piece maybe to it, but for me, humor is, and, it, and I wrote, I think I wrote it in this, but it's, you have to be authentic. So, as Chris mentioned, like the humor piece might not come as easy or knowing where the line is. For me, I feel like I've got a good read on that. And so when I nail a good laugh, that for me is the authentic piece. And I know that's not for everyone, but that I know for me, that's a, there's a specific tell in certain activities I have. Thanks for listening. And can you say, thanks for listening to high five. Thanks for listening to High Five. <laughs> and then what about thanks for listening to High Five's podcast? Can you do it? Okay, try. Thanks for getting off the pasta guy. Thanks for listening. Please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. It really does help us out. And if you'd like us to answer any of your questions, please email them in to podcast at highfiveadventure.org. That's podcast at H-I-G-H, the number five, adventure.org. If your question gets mentioned in the episodes, we will certainly reference you. Thank you so much. And coming next week on a new episode of The Road to High Five. Probably one of the gummy bears. Zoe. Really? A gummy bear? Yeah. I don't know the names well, of the gummy bears. Zoe and Tommy. <laughs> How do you know these names? Because they're the gummy bears. Do they bounce here and yeah. there and everywhere? Gummy bears are awesome because we were talking about right. this before. They had the gummy juice. It seemed like a cool place to live. I don't care who. Maybe it's just in that community as an animated character. Yeah.